Welcome back to Horsebrook Podcast Season 3, Tell Me Everything. This season, we're putting the obsessed back into horse-obsessed and diving deeper into some, in our opinion, lesser-known equestrian topics. So grab an adult beverage and quench your thirst for knowledge. Season 3, Episode 2, Say Yes to the Vest. Today, Laura, myself, Jen, and our guest speaker, Catherine Winter, founder of Ride Equisafe, is going to join us to help shed some light on one of the more controversial topics to hit Hunterland lately, air vests. Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Please tell us about yourself and your company. Sure. So thanks, first of all, so much for having me. Really excited to be with you guys and and especially having had the opportunity to actually get fitted for a vest for you, Jen. (laughs) Um, So lifelong equestrian, have been riding since the age of seven, won't tell you how long that is, (laughs) Um, but started as a hunter jumper rider. And then um, about six years ago, started riding with Doug Payne. And, you know, as he does, I was like, oh, I'll try an event a little bit. Um, Not like him, though. And when I did that, I was like, well, I guess I need a vest and really like struggled to research and try stuff on. And, you know, as one would do, I decided to go to what was then Rolex. I think it was still Rolex at that point in Kentucky, the three day event. And it was raining and gross. And I watched two horses go and spent the rest of the time in the trade fair trying to research vests. And I'm like, this is crazy. So that kind of planted a seed in my head and then fast forward a few years and we had some high profile accidents and the problem still hadn't been solved. And so here we are. It kind of spurred me to start Ride Equisafe with the idea that I would really be out there to educate people on what the different safety options are and what the different pieces of equipment can and can't do. And be a one-stop shop so people don't have to traipse all over the place to find what's best for them. So I love it. It's great. I meet interesting people and I get super interesting questions and it's been a ton of fun. <laughs> is um, is this your full-time job or is this something you do on the side? <laughs> so this is this is right now a full-time job in addition to another full-time job. <laughs> okay. That I have. The both. <laughs> Um, Yeah. So from a riding perspective, I am definitely a true amateur. um, Welcome. Join us. (laughs) Working to finance the horse habit. And in fact, the horse that I own right now, I don't even completely own. I own just a part of it with some fantastic partners, which makes it a ton of fun. And I don't even ride it because it's like a Ferrari that I would wrap around a tree. So do you so, own like certain legs or like an ear? I, I claim the right front foot and I wanted the tail at the beginning because she has a spicy tail. And one of my partners, I think, has taken over the tail because now she likes the spicy tail. So Got it. Okay. <laughs> this is so great. This is already going so well. I love it. So, right. So small disclaimer, of course, we will say um, I have personally met Catherine, she <laughs> was able to come out to my barn and size me for a vest. Um, and we'll get more into like that kind of as we go. But um, 
that's exactly how I felt. It was a one-stop shop. You, um, I was like overwhelmed with confusion. And in the midst of COVID, it also makes things a little bit more challenging, but just overwhelmed with what are my options? How do I know what it's supposed to fit like? You know, and normally, you know, because I am a millennial, barely, but I am a millennial. So <laughs> we don't really like to do a lot of the brick and mortar shopping. But when it comes to buying a vest, that is yeah. so intimidating. Yeah. That is not yeah. something it's that like I It's like buying a helmet almost, like. you know, like you have yeah, to go yeah. try them on. Um, yes. Jen, I have a question. So how did you come across her? Like, how did you even know she existed? Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a really funny story. Okay. Okay. So first what happened, <laughs> the whole saga of events is uh, during the December time, right um what was it noel noel floyd i never know how to say their name correctly mm-hmm. started a a new instagram page called rider reviews and they did a huge like christmas giveaway and i entered everything and i did end up winning one of them which was fantastic <laughs> but um ride equisafe was one of the sponsors and i was like oh this is so cool and because that's how i am so i clicked on her page And I want to say there was something on it that allowed me to see that you were local. It was either like a recent post or you said something along the lines or there must have been a picture that you were local. So I ended up sending a direct message saying, I'm really interested in buying a vest. I don't know where to even start with this. And funny enough, this is where it gets even more entertaining. She was about to be in town to get her hair done by, <laughs> by the girl who started my, uh, you know, who scratched the itch for eventing. Who is, who is a hair? It's just the whole thing is just super interesting. It was just a, a crazy, con, you know, um, what is it? It was meant to be. It was yes. totally meant to be. It was serendipitous. <laughs> This is funny because I didn't know that you found me from the Noelle Floyd post. And it is kind of funny that, you know, being that she has a global reach that we live 45 minutes apart. Yep. And and I didn't know that that's kind of how you got your eventing itch. Yep. And I was having so much fun with you that I actually missed my haircut appointment. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. So forgive us. We're sorry. We love you. <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, quite a while back, I like sent um, Lisa like a message and I was like, so if I wanted to take an eventing lesson, where would I go? Where would I start? And that was it. And now I'm at an eventer barn, um, which is exactly kind of like you were saying, you know, I was a hunter jumper, but I'm now riding with a trainer who absolutely does hunter jumpers with me. But, you know, she's like, you, you want to cross country school with us one day. It'll be really (laughs) fun. And I was like, okay, well, I was already thinking about getting an air vest and I'm going to need a body protector. So I was like, I need to know everything. I tell me everything, which is the the whole theme for this season because I got to know it all. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And you were like, oh yeah, I'm coming into town like in a couple days. And I was like, holy cow, this could not be more perfect. And it was fantastic fun. Um, the barn cat, like, you know, hid in her trailer like six times. Yep. Was, yep, Take me out of here. Super fun. This looks <laughs> nice. Yep. It was hilarious. Um, and I will say like, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll briefly kind of touch on this. My shopping experience 
was exactly how she describes it. It was a one-stop shop. She pulls up. She's got her trailer. The trailer has a mirror. You walk into the trailer and everything is hanging on a rack and you just get started. Like you, you can put it on and we see if it fits. And if it doesn't, she has another one and they're, the size changes are almost kind of like incremental, which was like really interesting too, because we kind of talked about um, what what would be the more correct size for me, et cetera. And like I said, like we'll get more into like the actual shopping experience kind of later, but that's exactly what it felt like. It was a one-stop shop. Like she just pulled in with everything I wanted and I <laughs> went that and that. And she said, here's the sizes and boom. I took one of the things home. Like she had the air vest that I decided I wanted right in stock right then and there. She was super kind enough to say, well, since I'm staying in the area, like ride in it once and see if you really think you can get used to this. I rode the next morning, loved it, told her, don't come back. Don't take my stuff. It's mine. (laughs) Bye-bye. So I will that it was, it was a fantastic. So that's how I found Ride Equisafe and (laughs) I like the philosophy behind that. I like your company's goals because that's it just caters to my kind of horse obsessive nature. I want to try all the things. I want to know all the options that are available to me. I want to know all the colors that can come in. I want to know what happens if I pick this size over that size. And I could do it. It was tactile. I could touch it. I could feel it. I could put it on my body. And that alleviated all of the like almost anxiety about purchasing a vest because all the questions were answered right then and there. I I felt it on my body. I rode my horse in it. It was fantastic. So that's my little fun. I I even found you. Um, So Catherine, do you charge for like going out and fitting people or is it just, you know, you're just trying to get information out and that's just how you think uh, it's, the application works best is to go to a barn and kind of, okay. So you don't. Yeah. I mean, so I don't charge for a fitting and, you know, I try as often as possible to actually physically get in front of somebody, but I can also do virtual fittings over, you know, Zoom or FaceTime or Skype. Um, But, you know, just like what Jennifer was saying, it's really helpful to kind of have all the options in front of you and be able to put things on back to back because they feel differently. And then to have somebody actually look and say, okay, is it hitting your sacrum the way that it should be? Is it sitting, you know, around your shoulders and over your collarbone the way that it should be? Is it snug enough? Um, and, And so you know, I think if, if I charged, it would come across as you're doing this to make money. And obviously everybody has to eat, but more than anything, I want people to get the information they need so that they can make an educated decision. And, and for the most part, once people are calling me, they've already made a decision that they need some sort of safety equipment and the equipment sells itself. It's more about helping the client understand like what would be better for them. Is it a body protector or an ear vest? Or, you know, if they're looking for a safety stirrup, what, you know, what are they concerned about? And, you know, what type of riding are they doing and what does it need to look like? And so on and so forth. So, you know, it really gives me the ability to rather than, you know, coming across like really salesy, just to be the educator and really answer people's questions and 
you know, some people have anxiety about, you know, what if my air vest doesn't go off when it's supposed to, or what if it does go off when it's not supposed to right. and, and being able to answer those questions, you know, so, so that's part of what I really enjoy. I'm actually not really a salesperson. I'm, I'm a corporate learning and development person by background. So that's, I take the same approach really with, with this business. Yeah, I love that. I, I absolutely, and that makes sense because that is right. When I contacted you, I already knew I wanted a safety yeah. bus. At the time, I knew I wanted an air vest. And I knew that in the future, I would probably want a body protector because all the cool kids were going cross-country schooling. And I really wanted to go hang out with the cool kids and do the cross-country schooling. And you have to have one for cross-country, right? Like, isn't that- You have to have a body protector to compete cross-country. Okay. The air vest is optional. I think around here, it's even to school, they make you, like, you have to wear one. Yeah, like if you're most farms that have like a cross country setup, or if you're going to Carolina Horse Park, they require it just because of the liability that's involved. Right. And so my barn is almost hacking distance to the Carolina Horse Park. So that's where we were going to do any kind of schooling. And, and, you know, at the time I was like, I will never show eventing, but I want to go cross country schooling. It sounds really fun. It's something different. Property. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah so I I knew so that makes sense because that is how I contact you I'm like I already had my mind made up that this is what I wanted but I had those questions and you know towards the end of the podcast we'll talk about some of those questions that make this controversial you know quote unquote in the first place (laughs) but I did want those questions answered and I mean you did it it was a one-stop shop it like I even brought my significant other who asks 10 questions for every one question I ask. Um, <laughs> it's in, it's endearing, but can be really annoying. Um, and Catherine like took it all in stride. She's like, yep. Okay. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I, he even asked if, you know, if he could, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Oh, he wanted, he wanted to actually deploy it on you, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he wanted to deploy one. I remember um, that. Do you let people do that? I do. I mean, so, you know, I have some people that, again, they're like, we've seen them go off, you know, we, you know, we understand and, and they don't need that. But I certainly get people that are, you know, they're concerned that, are they going to be able to breathe? Is it going to knock the wind out of, um, you know, so on and so forth? How are they going to react? And so for, you know, for people that want it, we will absolutely crack a cartridge, you know, just to give them the sensation. Because also, like, not having, I think sometimes like the idea of your very first air, air vest deployment coming, like when you're falling and in a bad situation, isn't the greatest combination. So yeah. I do encourage people to actually deploy it. Like when they're standing there on the ground, you know, have some wine, invite a friend, have a laugh. <laughs> Take a video. Record it. Record you know, it from an Instagram people, reel. So people post it all the time, but like people are like brace, you know, like it's going to be an explosion. And then when it happens, everybody giggles because it's funny. You know, it's, it is it's funny. not funny when you're actually falling, but you know, when you're just doing it for practice, just to see what it feels like, um, you know, that's an important thing. So even if, if we're not doing it during a demo, we encourage a client to do it, you know, just to see what it feels like. Right. Which I have. <laughs> um and you're right because right because there was some anxiety about what was it gonna feel like and i mean it just feels like someone came up and gave you like a quick hug i don't know yeah i think yeah when i 
funny because like having never had an airbag deploy on myself um <laughs> i think i have had a car airbag explode in my face and that it does not feel like that it like, does not but i I've think both of those <laughs> i think that might be the association though like i think people think of them more like like car airbags where yes they're going to save you but there there's also going to be some kind of damage as well so, I mean, you know it's, it's kind of interesting because no like no product is perfect of right course. and so when i'm talking to people you know even if they come to me and they say i want an air vest i'm like great i'm going to talk to you about a body protector too because you need to understand what the capabilities and limitations are of both so that again you can make an informed decision and know what you're trading off right mm -hmm. um and so what i find really interesting is that and you see it on social media as well because people are sharing their experiences which is great um but people will say well you know my air vest went off and i had this injury and rather than considering that the injury could have been significantly worse without the air vest or maybe it was a collateral injury just like with cars like we would never consider taking airbags out of cars even though we know that they can cause injury because they reduce far greater injury and reduce the amount you know the numbers of deaths um because of what they do so are we willing to trade that off my answer would be yes but i certainly have plenty of discussions with people that were like well you know i broke ribs and i'm like well that's because of the fall um mm -hmm. but they're convinced that maybe the air vest made it worse and is that possible sure it's possible i'm not going to say that it's impossible but i'd rather have a broken rib than a broken neck frankly right exactly yeah. you know and i can say you know so dating myself in high school it was really popular to do these tackle hugs where someone would run up to you and jump into you for like a hug and like i don't know it's kind of what my mm. air vest felt like i mean it doesn't knock the wind out of you but you know you do you're like Whoop, right oh, yeah, hello hi um and that's honestly how it felt for me and i was not intoxicated when i felt that so that is a very true <laughs> statement woo, woo, woo. um i was intoxicated after the fact but at the time of deployment, I was sober and it felt like a tackle hug. So, um, okay, so okay. Catherine, can you explain the difference between the body protectors and the airbags and kind of what yes. benefits they get, give on their own and then together? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So body protectors are going to be made of some type of foam. It is a high density foam. So it's not like a cushy foam that you might put on top of your mattress or something for extra padding. It's, it's a very high density foam. Um, you know, the, the foam construction for the vest is going to differ depending on the manufacturer. But the idea be behind a body protector is that it is all about energy dissipation and impact absorption, um, specifically what I call pinpoint impact. So where a body protector is great is if you are falling on a fence rail, if you are falling on a rock or a jump cup, if you're getting stepped on or kicked, um, a body protector is great for all of those things. 
Um, and one of the things that's nice about a body protector is it's what we call fail safe. If it's fit properly, all you have to do is put it on and it's going to do the job that it was designed to do. When you think about air vests, so air vests do what body protectors do not <laughs> in terms of capabilities, um, but the limitations are also flip side as well. So what an air vest is really good, good for is what I call broadside impact. So if you're getting flung, if you're getting spun <laughs> off, bucked off, jumped off, you're landing on, you know, your back, your front, your side. Um, it's like wearing an air mattress, basically. Um, it's, it's meant to cushion impact and cushion a fall. Um, and it is not good for the things a body protector is good for. If you're going to get stepped on or kicked or fall on a rock, it's not good for that. Because if you think about an air mattress and you step on an air mattress, the air just goes somewhere else. And it's the exact same thing with an air vest. It's not designed to, you know, absorb that type of impact. That's interesting. I never even considered that. Like, yeah, yeah I didn't of either. And I have one. Yeah. Air moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now in terms of like parts of the body that it, that both cover, they have similar coverage, but like the air vest, for example, one of the interesting things is most of them down the back, they have an air chamber on either side of your spine that's meant to stabilize your spine in the event of a fall. Um, an air vest also provides neck stabilization that a body protector does not. And um, an air vest is going to provide some sort of hip cushion as well, depending on the make and model. It's going to be different, you know, levels of hip protection, but that's also something that a body protector does not cover. Now, the kicker is that an air vest is not fail safe. There is a chain of events that has to occur in order for an air vest to deploy, and it is a mechanical system. And so we mentioned earlier that eventers are required to wear a body protector. And the reason is that in order for an air vest to trigger, you have to separate from your horse. You are clipped onto your saddle and there's a lanyard that goes from the clip into the trigger of your air vest. And when you separate that lanyard pulls and basically, long story short, is what releases the gas and inflates your air vest. So if your horse is falling and you are falling with it and not separating, then your air vest isn't going to go off and it's basically useless. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why eventers are required to wear a body protector because... I say this lovingly, owning an eventer, they're crazy and they're doing crazy things. They're, I agree. You know, jumping, they're jumping solid obstacles at speed over terrain and their incidence of rotational falls is higher than in other disciplines. Right. They still happen in other disciplines. And in other disciplines, we have horses that like trip when they're walking and fall over. Oh, um, right. it, it does happen. So you know, from from the safety committee's perspective for eventers, you know, it's better to have a body protector on than not have anything on. And, you know, if you're wearing it, you're wearing it. And the air vest is a bonus in that case. Um, you know, so when people come to me and they're like, what's the safest thing to wear? And they'll ask me that question if they're an eventer, if they're, you know, a hunter jumper rider, if they're a trail rider, my answer is always wear both. But 
you know, the eventers, they recognize that they're participating in a high risk activity. And as soon as there is some new technology for safety, they're like, give it to me. (laughs) They're early adopters. The hunter jumper, you know, community, they are really now starting to adopt. And, and the rate of adoption now is really impressive, but it's, it's adoption of one or the other for the most part. So I do have hunter jumper riders that are getting into both, but maybe it's because they've had a specific injury in the past that they're, that they're concerned about, or that, you know, they, they're a nervous rider or they're on, you know, a horse that has a particular move (laughs) that, you know, that you kind of have to guard against. Um, so, you know, so I definitely am getting more hunter jumper riders into both. Um, but for the most part, they're picking one or the other. And again, our purpose is that when they're picking one or the other, they're making that informed decision. Right. That's super interesting. So I picked both. I will, we'll go ahead and say that now. And, um, you had two weddings, say yes to the best times too. <laughs> I did. Uh, and I remember I rem- so this is how it, the thought process was for me. I knew that I had to have a body protector if I wanted to cross-country school. And I also knew that if I ever became brave enough to actually go eventing, I would want an air vest and a body protector. So that led me to the purchase of, of a combination one that I'll let Catherine explain a little bit more. But it was a that was an easy pick for me. But because of the tradition of the hunter jumpers, the hunters specifically, and my fear of judgment, I was concerned about riding in a body protector and an air vest Um, because it's not as sleek of a look. It isn't, period, you know? And hunters, to some extent, are very interested in their look. We have some vanity that, that happens in the hunter world. And hunters. So, <laughs> and the particular um, body protector and vest combination that I was picking for, uh, you know, any future with eventing, while both pieces could be worn separately, the air vest is a little bit bigger because it is meant to zip into a body protector. And while they could be worn separately, it wasn't the safest, it wasn't the best safe choice. It can be done. It just wasn't the best use of that equipment. It's not what it was really built for, um, was kind of my understanding. And so I also made the decision to purchase the more vain (laughs) Um, And (laughs) so I didn't even really think about that because I didn't go into it. I have, knock on wood, find something of wood to knock on. Here we go. Um, I have not sustained any um, big horse accident. It will come. I have not sustained one because I have only been riding for a very short amount of time. However, I know that it will come. In December, I was at a schooling show and I watched a seasoned veteran, both rider and horse, um, have a very significant fall over a two-foot fence. Yep. And the rider flipped over the horse's head and cracked her back on the back rail of the little two-foot hunter jump and snapped the rail. Oh, Oh, my gosh. And I was shook. 
because I can tell you that in the back of my mind, I always said, yeah, I'll get an air vest one of these days. Like when I'm jumping three foot or three foot six, like when I'm finally doing something dangerous, that's when I'll consider a vest. And watching two pros have the accident that they had and then watching a human being's spine break a rail freaked me out. I was on my phone messaging Catherine (laughs) immediately after that show. I, it really rocked me. And I said, you know what, Jen, you're being, you're being silly because horses are dangerous even at the walk. Yeah. There is a certain height where you need to start being careful. We need to be careful all the time. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, we have the equipment we know that it's, you know, it's a really fun, but also a risky sport. So why not take advantage of the equipment that's available and protect yourself? Because this is the other thing that I tell my clients is you, you don't know what your next fall is going to be. You don't know what kind of fall, you don't know what the circumstances are going to be. So again, you're making the best, most informed decision that you can to protect yourself. And and we're always going to find ways to hurt ourselves that our equipment, <laughs> frankly, isn't going to save us. I mean, like horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, turn it out and think that, you know, it's not going to try and kill itself and it will. Um, and we're a little bit the same. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just about making the smartest decisions that you can um, to keep yourself safe in the saddle. Okay. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. It might be slightly controversial. I don't know. Um, maybe mm-hmm. not with the, this group, but like maybe with the listenership. So I think that there's this weird segment of the horse pop, like horse riding population that says like F safety. I'll do what I want. It's my brain. Oh, it's my body. Oh. It's my, oh. you know, even helmets, which like we've had helmets Yep. forever and like you know in the English community you don't see it as much because we're required to wear them at shows but in different disciplines you see kind of more of that unwillingness to wear safety devices so do you encounter that often oh yeah okay <laughs> oh. yeah and and you know you see it especially in certain disciplines but Um, I hear like a few different things. One is, you know, if, if I wear this, I've, I've heard this from a professional before. If I wear safety equipment, I'm signaling, signaling to my clients that I think I'm going to get hurt or I'm scared of getting hurt. I get that. Um, which that's just beyond me. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that I can say about that. No triggers. <laughs> there's, um, I also, you know, I hear like, you know, I used to ride just in a baseball hat and, you know, I'm tough. I'm fine. I bounce back. I have a high pain tolerance. I'm like, but why would you want to have a pain tolerance? Um, For someone with a I low pain mean- tolerance, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's a segment of, you know, of don't tell me what to do. Let right. me make my own choice. Right. And, and so I will say, cause a lot of people ask me, is this going to become mandatory? 
And I mean, obviously with eventing, there's already, you know, some mandates out there, but there isn't yet for, for the hunter jumper world or the, or the dressage world. Um, question on um, the eventing thing. Is it mandated mm-hmm. by the event, the governing body? By USEA. Okay. Or is it by each location? Cause I. No, it's USEA. Okay. Okay. Cause I mean, the, the locations can do what they want in addition, but the USEA mandates it. In competition. Correct. So if it's a USDA sanctioned event, the body protector is required for the cross country segment. Correct. Got it. But if it's a schooling situation, then it's the locations. Correct. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, especially when, you know, Kevin Babington's accident happened a couple of years ago. And, you know, then some very high profile trainers started commenting about the importance of safety equipment. That's when it really started picking up. I think Kevin's accident was really the catalyst. And then USHJA started having discussions around, okay, should we mandate things? And those discussions are ongoing. There are certainly, uh, you know, there's a, a good sized contingent of high profile trainers that are like, yes, this should be mandated. What I will say is that, again, we're seeing a really good rate of adoption right now. And I am, what I'm about to say is as me being a retailer (laughs) that makes a living in part selling these things, we're seeing a really good rate of adoption where people are making the choice. And I would love to give it a little bit more time for people to continue making the choice because it is always better if people can make the choice for themselves. But I think at a certain point, we'll, we'll get to the point where there'll be the stragglers and you know then they can mandate it to catch the stragglers that haven't adopted. But like, this is aging myself, you know, 20, 25 years ago when we went to the new helmet standard, that was like the most painful change ever because the professionals and adults were like, there's no way in hell we're wearing this. It's ugly. It makes our heads look like a bowl. Like, you know, who cares about safety standards? I don't want to look that way. (laughs) And so they had to start by mandating it for junior riders. And then they went, you know, like a year or two later to the adults and the professionals And interestingly, what we're seeing with the protective equipment is that the professionals are the ones that are leading the way. And I'm actually seeing a lot of kids, too, that I mean, I had a couple kids in Wellington that they were the ones dragging their parents to the booth. And the parents were like, really? (laughs) And they're like, yes, this is important. And I'm like, good for you. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, You are our future. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, for kids like that, I'm putting them all over social media as, you know, role models and, you know, they love that. And it's great to just get it out there so that especially the younger kids see their peers that they look up to making this choice. I have a question also about, um, so with the body protectors, as far as price points are concerned, um, is there a wide variety of price points that you can that, you know, it's friendly to someone who's more budget conscious, and then you can Mm -hmm. kind of move up from there. It's like, that's one question number one. And then question number two is it kind of seems like the air vests don't have that yet. So do you think that would be a hindrance to like maybe requiring them? 
Yeah, so so that brings up a really good point that I didn't mention. And and that is that the other thing about mandating this is it's already an expensive enough sport and you're just creating another economic barrier to entry when you do mandate something. Right. Um, So what my other hope is, is that if and when they mandate that they don't specifically say it has to be an air vest, that it just needs to be certified protective equipment, for example. Um, So it can be a body protector. It can be an air vest. It can be a combination. Um, In terms of pricing, so for, for a body protector, basically, if you're looking at something that is certified, whether it's ASTM or, um, or uh, beta, then on average, for adult sizes, you're looking at mid 300s to mid 400s. They're they're in a pretty close range. Um, the kid sizes, some of the companies do you know pricing based on sizing. So the smaller the best, the cheaper it is. Um, so when you're dealing with you know smaller kid sizes, you can actually get into the high twos. Um, there are certainly vests that you can get into that are less than that, but they're typically not certified. Now, I have the perspective that any body protector is better than no body protector. Um, but, you know, at the point that you're spending like 200 bucks, you're really questioning, you know, how, how much efficacy is there for something like that. Um, on, on the ear vest side... So depending on how they're outfitted, you can find an air vest in the low 400s. Um, but to really set it up the way that English riders like to have them set up, you're really more so in the high 400s right. to start. Right. And then you're going up to around 765 just for the air vest. Um, and you get more expensive the more the tra- attractive they are, which is right. Pretty, and then you know, getting the colors that yeah. have the zipping in and like you know yeah, and then you have like all the clothing options, and then like you know, I mean, you can get as expensive as you want if you want a whole new wardrobe that's air vest compatible, but you know, you you can get into an air vest economically as well, and just with anything, you can bling it out, and, sure. you know, have top of the line everything. <laughs> So it's not dissimilar from buying helmets, for example, because, I mean, you can get an entry-level helmet for relatively inexpensive, but then you can go absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you just look, you know, I don't, I don't deal helmets, but, you know, I get a lot of questions just because I do safety equipment. So, you know, people will ask me about helmets. And basically what I say is at this point, your helmet should have MIPS technology in it. Yeah. That's like the standard at a minimum. And there's actually a really good website that is just for MIPS awareness. And you can pick your sport and it will show you the manufacturers of the helmets that have MIPS. That's really cool. Which is totally crazy because there's only a couple of helmet brands and not the top ones, not the ones. That's exactly right. That's what's so shocking to me is some of the, the most popular and most expensive do not have MIPS. But the ones that do... I mean, range from like, I mean, they're the tried and true brands that have been around for a really long time and have great reputations like Tipperary and Champion 
And, you know, then you get into some of the newer brands and, you know, Charles Owen's been around for a long time. They have an absolutely beautiful, that too, they have two new helmets that are absolutely beautiful that have MIPS in them. They were one gorgeous. of the first ones, I feel like. They were like, uh, the, yeah, I mean, like readily they available in early adopters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they do a lot of research. Like, they do a lot of like in, in-house research. And they also sit on a lot of the, the safety boards that set some of the standards. Um, but yeah, but the helmets are just like the air vest and the body protectors in that you can find something that, that is perfectly efficacious at any price point. Yeah, I actually just got my first MIPS helmet at the most recent, um, you know, helmet awareness week. Mm -hmm. And it was it was my my significant other who actually brought it up because we were looking at, you know, all my snowboarding gear. My helmet is MIPS. And he was like, is your riding helmet MIPS? And I was like, I've never heard of MIPS. What are you talking about? And that is when (laughs) like the veil dropped. And I was like, are you kidding me? Did he ask 20 questions about your riding helmet too? Yes. Yep. I was like, (laughs) I have three $700 helmets, none with MIPS. And I turned around and I bought a 1K with MIPS and that is what I ride in now. Yeah. Yeah. There are $1,200 helmets out there that do not have MIPS. That's insane. Like my mind is like, oh, right. And he was like, well, would, do you consider snowboarding? more dangerous than riding and I was like no right I don't because like I snowboard like the girl green and blue and I just have a good time and if I ever fall snowboarding <laughs> it's me falling on my butt um so until they make butt protectors <laughs> you know you know but I was like you that is such a valid point because I would want that technology in my riding helmet and why is it very affordable and and routine like regular for snowboarding but yeah. not for riding Boom, like veil dropped, totally <laughs> rocked, rocked my world, rocked my socks. Um, so let's do some fun stuff. Let's <laughs> dispel some of the common myths oh, to yeah. the air vest. This is when things are gonna get real interesting. I love these questions. <laughs> um, a lot of this was feedback that I personally received. When I mentioned to my community, not my eventing community, mind you, when I presented to my hunter community that I was interested in purchasing an air vest. And frankly, I had already made up my mind prior to talking to the community. And thankfully, I'm not easily swayed um, because when I make a decision, it's based on science. Um, I know. Shocker. (laughs) Yeah. In the medical field, we call this mitigating risks. And it's what I do for a living. So it is certainly what I am going to do for my passion, my hobby. Um, so some of these are going to sound a little interesting, but they so are So what's all like the number that- one one that you like <laughs> got, Jen? Oh, the number one was that I was selfish for wanting an air vest because if I uh, were to the head tilt. have, I know. And they're just like tilting her head, like what? Is what? Sorry. That if I were to be dismounted, the air vest deployment would spook another horse, not mine, but would spook would spook another horse and thereby cause another rider to be dismounted from their mount and suffer an injury. So I was bringing risk to the ring 
by endangering the lives of others by trying to protect myself against a potential injury. You're so selfish. Okay. There's like layers to peel back on that one. Gaslighting. <laughs> so I will say that the number one question that I get is, is my horse going to spook when my air vest goes off? And I always laugh when I see people chime in on social media threads of, I saw a horse become terrified and take off and, you know, it was a nightmare. And, you know, can that happen? Yes. Has it happened? Yes. But I don't, so it happens so fast, like the popping noise, it just happens so fast that most horses just don't even have time to react to it. And, and I actually put together a compilation video um, just to try and dispel this myth, showing horses reacting or not reacting in multiple different situations. So people standing next to the horse intentionally deploying just to see what their horse's reaction would sure. be. And a lot of times horses will just stand there and kind of look at them. Or sometimes they'll kind of like have a startle reaction, but their feet are barely moving. Right. Um, there are videos of people, you know, dismounting without unclipping intentionally, again, to test <laughs> it. And the horses, you know, aren't really reacting. And then there are, of course, videos of horses in motion with riders falling and them reacting or not really. So can I guarantee that your horse is not going to spook? No. Um, because horses are horses. I mean, but... my horse spooks at the corner of the arena that has <laughs> right. The I mean, so it's... they're not the smartest animals to begin with, but they, you know, I have to say that more horses don't care than do care. Now, this whole thing of the group thing, that's kind of interesting because we actually had a situation in Wellington where really high profile trainer that is very pro air vest. He's been wearing an air vest for like a year now and he forgot to unclip. He came out of the ring Love and it. was like excited about a good trip <laughs> and, you know, was trying to get somewhere else and jumped off without unclipping and his air vest went off. Um, and it was a super crowded schooling area. None of the horses reacted. Nobody cared. And what I will also mention is normally, like, if you're actually falling off the horse, if he's freaking out, it's probably because you're not where you're supposed to be and there's right. some scenario yep. <laughs> happening. It's not the air vest that's spooking them nine times out of ten. But, you know, that scenario in a crowded schooling area, what I tell people is, we shouldn't get complacent and just say horses won't spook at, at an air vest. They're flight creatures. They're prey creatures. So we should assume that they're going to spook so that we're prepared for it. We should not, you know, get to the point where, oh, everybody's in an air vest. Everybody's heard an air vest go off. It's fine. It's better to be aware that there is a possibility that a horse is going to spook and be prepared for it versus just assuming that they're not, um, you know, and, and being complacent and then not be prepared if they do spook. Because even a horse that's hurt it 20 times, the 21st time, oh, God. they might decide that it's yeah. the boogie monster then. <laughs> the whole thing of like, you're selfish, that's like a whole new element. <laughs> but also, let's be honest, all those horses are probably wearing earplugs anyways. So right, this like... is true. <laughs> Come this on. Is, this is true. 
So I will say, I'll say two things. Um, one, my a lot of what I feel like I'm seeing is that if your horse is the kind of horse to run off when he's dismounted you, then your horse is likely to be the one that will also maybe take a couple steps when the airbag right. deploys. If your horse is the one to just stand there and look down at you and why are you down there? That's probably <laughs> the same horse that isn't going to super react right. to the pop going off. Exactly. So the way my barn is set up is our covered, it's not an indoor, but it's a covered, is attached to our barn. So when we were testing, and we decided to test it on on my baby horse because, you know, why not try it on baby babies? Right. We'll try it on the baby over like the seasoned veteran. So I, so we did. And he like flicked an ear because he could not care less. And I had two people standing in the barn to watch for any of the barn horses reactions. So I'm in a cupboard that's aluminum. So the the noise was going to be amplified right. and not a single horse. There were 25 horses in the barn, not a single one. I mean, I think one like perked its head, but no one had a startle reaction. No one shifted feet. No one had a big moment. And it was, it was done as fast as it happened. So I, you know, it is, it's instantaneous. They don't even have time to process like, what was that? Dude, should I be scared? Yeah. Um, so I could probably say I can kind of instantly dispel that because not a single one of those horses could care less. I am also, I also live uh, very close to Fort Bragg mm. and they deploy bombs and yes. guns all the time. <laughs> yes. So I w- didn't really super think any of my horses were going to care anyways, but the sound is closer. So it is more acute than, you know, the bombs going off all the mm-hmm. All the time. So did I get lucky to, that I, I happened to have a sample size of 26 horses that didn't react to it? Yes, but I can tell you 26 horses under an aluminum covering did not react to the sound of the right. pop. Right. I, uh, at my barn, we also, like, we have a rider who rides in one religiously and her horse is four. Uh, he is not a show horse yet he has not been to a show like he is he is green 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 and young and we were doing like a little in barn kind of mock show and she fell and he just stood there looked at her and then tried to eat the fake flowers like like, (laughs) good baby horse yeah and he's kind of one that i would think like you it could go either way you know, based mm-hmm. on his personality. And he was just like, oh, what are you down there? Oh, these look like flowers. Can I eat those? <laughs> I mean, right. Like I'm not a horse psychologist, but because the sound is so, it's so fast. It's yeah. there and then it's over. And there's, and there's no like echoing. I mean, it just, it, yeah. Like you almost can't react to it because it's already done before your neurons have fired to your brain that you're hearing something. Yeah. It, if it was so, prolonged, I, mean, I would probably say that argument would have more weight. Absolutely. You know, if but it was like a prolonged so sound. Yeah. Like, right. Yep. And you're right. Most of the horses are wearing earplugs anyway. So um, <laughs> I, you know, I personally did use that, that from now on. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> So like, I personally didn't end up taking that too much to heart and like that one didn't really end up offending me, but to some extent it stuck, right? Because here I am a medical provider. I put the lives of everyone before myself 
as you know, with the pandemic, with everything, I am the first one to run into a situation and take care of it. And so to, to almost have this implied that I cared more about myself than others, well, granted, you could say, well, sure, I should care about myself more than others, but I don't, right? I'm a selfless person. That's why I do medicine. Um, but it did. Like, it, it kind of stung. And so that was a concern that I had until I actually saw that it was just not an issue. Right. So, yep, that was – so that's one of the, the first ones. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, give one me another other, good one. <laughs> uh, I think all of my myths are hilarious. So we will <laughs> just check down the line. Air vests were never tested on women's bodies and subsequently can do more harm than good. <laughs> one, is it true? Like, is it true or not? Like – so, I mean, they've they've been tested like, you know, any ear vest or body protector. They've been tested on crash test dummies. Um, and then there has been, you know, research done analyzing, you know, falls retrospectively. And those have not been gender specific, you know, studies. Um, and that's the, both on the body. Did the crash mm -hmm. test dummies have boobs breast implants <laughs> I'm implant sorry. well yes by nature they're crash test dummies so <laughs> i had to i'm sorry i had to <laughs> so <laughs> gosh i don't even know where to go with this one um so uh. from an air vest perspective i do not have concerns about this um what i will say on the body protector side so a body protector is supposed to be snug. So if you've got some girls, they are meant to be smushed down a little bit by a body protector. Um, and if you happen to have implants, especially larger ones, it can be more of a challenge just from my fitting perspective, because I'm going to use a scientific term here, Jennifer, they're not as smushable. <laughs> Okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Not as mushable. Um, but, you know, I think maybe where this might be coming from is when an air vest deploys and, you know, it becomes tight. Could you puncture a breast implant? You know, maybe that's part of the thought process. I'm not aware of that circumstance actually occurring. Um, you know, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I would say that that's not something that I, especially on an air vest that I would be really concerned about. You have just as much risk falling without one or even with one breaking a rib and having your rib puncture your, you know, an implant, right. you know, I think something like, you know, you could see something like that happening, but from a fit perspective, it's more challenging, I think, on the body protector side. And, and frankly, you know, one of the one of the companies out there that makes them that has a very reputable product line, they do gender based sizing to accommodate just how, you know, how women are built differently than men, but also the fact that we have chests. <laughs> Well, then, yeah. I mean, so then that basically answers it right there. It has been tested on a woman's body and it has been appropriately shaped for them. So then the second part of this myth is, can the vest do more harm than good? This winter in Wellington, there was a professional rider that was wearing an air vest um, without a body protector underneath. 
Hunter Ryder. Her horse spooked, spun, tripped, fell over. She fell with it and she fell basically on the right side of her torso, which is where the canister is. Um. And she broke multiple ribs. Um, I believe in the process of breaking ribs, she punctured a lung. So mm-hmm. she had a really bad injury. Mm-hmm. Um, now the question remains, did the air vest, namely the canister, actually cause that injury? Or did it exacerbate the injury? Or would she have had that injury anyways? We don't know the answer to that. The best deployed? The best did not deploy because she fell with the horse. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. So it was an uninflated vest with, you know, the canister and she fell on the canister. Now the canister behind it has a rigid backing. So the canister is not directly against your torso. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's a reasonable question that any normal human being would ask is, you know, did the canister cause the injury? If not, did it exacerbate the injury or would she have had the injury anyways? Right. We don't know. But again, you know, that's a scenario that I talk to my clients about. Like, yes, just like an airbag, there are instances where airbags cause injury. Yep. But they reduce far more injuries and they reduce death. And we would never take an airbag out of a car. Right. Okay, Catherine. So what about accidentally deploying my vest when I dismount. Um, I actually sell these cute little, you know, sleeves that you can put on your lanyard or on your, you know, your rain buckles that say unclip just to oh, remind okay, you. Okay, so that's but... really perfect. And I'm going to go ahead and need you to send me one of those. <laughs> I will send you one. Um, yeah, but I mean, so, you know, I tell people like you're, you're going to blow your first canister forgetting. So anytime somebody buys an air vest, I'm like, you need at least one backup, if not two, right. because you're going to blow your first one. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, I mean, after that, you're going to be so angry that you blew a canister that you're hopefully not going to forget again. But yes, what's that like a $30 mistake or something like that? Yeah. I mean, depending on where you get it and depending on what kind, it could be up to a $55 mistake. So yeah, yeah, it's not a cheap mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the next myth that we want you to bust is I will accidentally deploy my vest while riding. Who was that rider? There was a rider... It was a male rider. Okay. Okay. It was a male rider. He was, he, he was in a big class, like a Grand Prix. Yep. He was in a Grand Prix, like three jumps from home and he got jumped loose. But he stayed on, right? Yes. He just was loose out of the track. Okay. Yes. And he finished the course and he only had four faults. So you can ride at a Grand Prix level with an inflated air vest. Thank you very much. But, (laughs) um, so <laughs> so of course there was a ton of chatter about course, this when yeah. it happened. Yeah. Of course. Because the people again, who were gonna hate on Airvest, like that took kind of that as an example. Exactly. Like, oh, they don't work, they don't work. Well, and that's the thing. Like, there are definitely people that are Airvest haters, just like there are people that are something else haters. You know, we people always find stuff to hate, and that's fine. Um you know, and it doesn't matter what it is, they'll find a reason not to want to use the equipment. Just say that it's not for you. You don't want to use it. Great. Sure. It's your choice right now. Your choice. (laughs) Um, So with an air vest specifically, 
you have a saddle strap and the saddle strap is adjustable. So one of the things that I talk to my clients about is the first time that they get on and clip into their saddle strap, there are a couple of different quote unquote tests that they should do to make sure that the length of the saddle strap and lanyard is appropriate because we make mistakes in the saddle. Like Mm -hmm. I jump up the neck all the time. I get jumps loose. I get left behind. And if you think about the eventers, even like dropping, you know, down crazy banks in the water and stuff, they're leaning way back. Like their shoulders almost touch the horse's butt sometimes. And they're wearing air vests and the air vests aren't deploying. So you do have some adjustability to give you the room to, you know, get jumps loose, get left behind, so on and so forth. Gotcha. But- The thing is, if you are getting jumped two feet out of the tack or you're getting left so far behind that you're, you know, that your head is hitting your horse's butt, most people are not going to recover from that. And you want your air vest to deploy. And even if that's like super annoying and super embarrassing and you have to finish your course looking like the Michelin man, you're finishing (laughs) your course in one piece. So that's a good thing. That is if you know that is not a bad thing. So there isn't really accidental inflation. There is, you know, there is forgetting to do something to not inflate and then there is inflation that is happening by design but not desired inflation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't looked at that video to see if like he got like super t- he got pretty jump loose, and, and and I also think that his lanyard may have been set a little tight. Got it. But I do remember the like last couple jumps where he's got like, <laughs> he's like he looks like the Hulk. <laughs> he's like, Arr. yeah, exactly. Well, and that actually brings up a, a good point that I'll just address quickly because I'll get people that call me and say, "I dismounted and my vest didn't deploy, and should I be concerned?" And it's based on seventy, like, well, most vests. Vests that are adult size vests are designed to deploy based on 70 pounds of pressure on the trigger, but it's 70 pounds of abrupt pressure and the lanyard is a bungee. So if you're like sliding down your horse's side to, you know, get down to the ground and you're like normal height and your horse is, you know, not an 18 two hand giant, you may very well make it to the ground without your air vest deploying. So, you know, that shouldn't be a concern per se, but if you're like jumping off exuberantly and you're putting that 70 pounds of force on the trigger, you're going to deploy. So me and my 15 <laughs> to tiny thoroughbred have uh, a chance at not Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You're good. We're too close to the ground. <laughs> Okay, so the next myth that we have is there is no governing body of safety equipment or like certain specifications. Just anybody who's anyone can make a vest and call it safe. So for body protectors, there are very clear standards. Um, in, In North America, it's ASTM. In Europe, the gold standard is beta. So it's very clear what each of those standards mean, what testing needs to occur to meet those standards, so on and so forth. On the air vests, it's not quite so clear. Um, there There are standards for testing that 
things need to meet to be able to be sold in Europe. And then there's a standard that kind of goes beyond that, but it's still not very clear with Airbus. And this is one of the arguments that people do have for Airbus that unlike beta or ASTM, there, there isn't like a clear standard that we know that all body protectors, or I'm sorry, that all air vests meet. Um, now, from my understanding, there is conversation happening with beta, which is again, the gold standard, um, to create an air vest standard. So, you know, that day cannot come soon enough. Yeah. I think that that is super important. Um, there was a standard called Satra M38 that some of the Airbus on the market were certified to. They have since stopped doing Airbus certification of any type, not just equestrian Airbus. Um, so you can't even get certified to that standard anymore. So, you know, that's on the Airbus side, that's a legitimate argument. Um, what what I would say is they've been in existence long enough in use for both motorcycle riders as well as equestrians that we've seen them work. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, based on that, <laughs> and there's enough data out there, there's studies, there's data, there just isn't a uniform certification standard. That's what we're missing. And do you think that that's coming down the pike? I do. I think now that we're seeing such a tremendous rate of adoption, yeah. it's it's very needed. I think it's recognized that it's needed and it's inevitable that it's coming. And I already know, again, that the conversations are happening and some of the big air vest makers have a seat at that table and they are pushing for it because it's going to benefit them. Um, so, so I would say in the next couple of years, I would assume that we're going to see an air vest standard. So, Catherine, I have another question. Do you do any work with our governing bodies currently to try to, like, bring more education? Or is that something that you are interested in doing? I would I would love to do that. Um, while I'm not directly involved with a governing body, I've been, you know, I've been lucky enough to have multiple conversations with people that are mm -hmm. part of the governing bodies. Um, but certainly if that opportunity arose, I would love to have it. Yeah. I think it's important. I mean, I think that we need to have more voices, especially for you because you're seeing the consumer, right? Like you're seeing who is exactly. adopting it. And sometimes it's good to have the people who have boots on the ground and who are seeing like what people are asking for, what people are looking for, what, the, what are the questions, what are the concerns and bringing that to our governing bodies to be like, this should be more adopted. This should be more. Mm -hmm. So I, that's really interesting, actually. I, I wish that our governing bodies would be a little bit more uh, open about those kinds of con conversations. But I think, I think they're asking the right questions and they are inviting people in that have had different experiences. Okay. So for example, the rider that, you know, I shared the story of, you know, her being in Wellington and falling and, with the horse and having a really bad injury, they invited her in to share her experience and her thoughts and right. perspective. So, so they're not being insular, which is good. So, so I think that that's a good step. Good. Okay, so now here's one of the really big controversial myths. Um, and this was submitted to me as um, 
something that I needed to consider when it came down to my decision to purchase a vest. And it was that hunter slash equitation judges will take points off for use of an air vest or body protector in the ring. So I love this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have this problem because I'm a jumper. So yeah. Uh, so I get this question a lot because, I mean, look, we're paying a lot of money to do this. Yeah. We're paying money to have somebody judge us, which is just crazy. <laughs> Please judge me. Um, but when you're doing that, you you don't want to make something obvious that is going to, you know, potentially detract points. Um, so I was lucky enough to be part of an article series that was done by a company this past winter. Um, and one of the things that we did is we went to several high profile hunter and equitation judges and we did like, I think we talked to one that was a little bit younger, um, in the grand scheme of things, but a couple of judges that had been around for like a super long time, yeah. seen all of the trends come and go. And we asked them like, what are your thoughts? And, you know, would you, for example, in an equitation class, would you take off points if somebody was wearing a body protector or an air vest and maybe the line, you know, the rider's line wasn't as clear, whatever the case may be. And the uniform response was, it is safety equipment. Absolutely not would we take off. And one of the judges who had actually helped me at a couple of shows as a kid who I love, she's very like, she speaks her mind. She said, honestly, if if a judge was found out to be marking off for somebody wearing safety equipment, they should have their judge's card revoked. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Honestly, it's safety equipment. It's like a helmet. Like it's like if right. you place someone for wearing a Sam shield higher than someone who was wearing a whatever different non yeah. like you know, non trendy helmet, you know, like that, that's just silly. Well, and I think where it's going to get to like, Going back to eventing, you know, until recently you could wear a top hat still in dressage, but the number of people, even like at Kentucky that were wearing a top hat were like minuscule yeah. and they were not well looked upon. Yeah. It's like, uh, why are you doing that? Well, especially with the big egg, it's kids. It's kids. Like right, it's kids. So I, I do think we're gonna get to the point. I mean, I was like set up right in front of a jumper schooling area for one of the big rings at WAF. And in the jumpers, like I would say fifty percent of the riders had them on. I mean, that's a huge number. Yeah. So so I definitely think we're heading down the path of you know, there are gonna be far more people wearing stuff than not wearing it and when you're not wearing it, you're the one that's going to stick out like a sore thumb and people are going to be looking at you like, uh, what, like, why are you thinking that you don't need that or you shouldn't be using it? Yeah. I'm wondering if you like did a poll or I don't know if you do this or not, but like poll kind of your customers and see what disciplines they do. If like the jumper riders are kind of leading the way for some of the, the Eck and the hunters, because we don't get judged on our clothes. We don't have to worry about it. It depends on the coast. So this is super interesting huh. because on the East Coast, I see more jumper riders. And then um, I have a rep on the West Coast and she says it's more hunter riders on the West Coast. Okay, so- And I find that fascinating. Well, it's less competitive here, honestly, though. Like if you think about it, the hunters and the Eck, the hunters, hunters and the Eck are less competitive here on the west coast than on you the think? east coast absolutely i think so 
I, I will say though, I, I will say that there were, there are also a couple of retailers on the West coast, like specifically set up at thermal mm -hmm. that were also early adopters in terms of selling it and really did a good job marketing it. Mm -hmm. And it became the cool thing to wear. It wasn't just that, Hey, it's going to keep you safe. They also made it trendy and I think that that helps, right? I mean, we're definitely seeing people getting into it because they're seeing other people in it, not just because it's safe, but like, that's what you see. And I think that the West Coast really did help with that. So what do you think about the myth that air vests give equitation riders an unfair advantage? There's a couple of models that you're seeing the most of in the hunter jumper market, and they look like a sleeveless vest, like a Columbia or a North Face type sleeveless vest. Um, so it does nothing to accentuate or de-accentuate your figure. Although I will say like one of the brands, it is designed to be a, a more snug fit. And I kind of joke that it doesn't matter if you're a size zero or a size 18, it's going to make you look like a supermodel because it's a little bit like Spanx in an air vest. It's Ooh. not that tight, but yeah. <laughs> that's everybody's reaction too when I tell them. And some people love that feeling because it makes them feel more secure and other people are like, oh, I feel claustrophobic. Get it off me. Um, but yeah, I like an air vest is not going to really change your outline, if you will. Um, and it's certainly not going to change your position at all. And a body protector, I mean, is it going to be harder to slouch in a body protector? Yeah, it'll be a little harder to slouch. But is it going to, like, give you perfect equitation? No. <laughs> so as someone who has terrible shoulders, terrible, ain't no air vest going to fix that. Just saying. Like, no. This is not an equitation tool. <laughs> but also, like, even... Like you can wear a shoulders back under your vet, like under your coat, and no one would know. Yeah, nobody so, would know. So like, you, you're kind of like it. It's kind of splitting hairs, right? Like people are gonna find ways to improve their position either way. Yeah. So can you tell us like some of the like the the more popular brands of air vests? I mean, I, I don't see this as being something that is going to improve or hinder your position either way. <laughs> so it really depends on what you're doing, right? Because there are air vests that are kind of more geared towards the eventing market that are designed to be worn over a body protector. And then there are the ones that are more geared towards the hunter jumper market that are, you know, kind of um, lower profile, sleeker looking, designed to be able to be worn without a body protector underneath. So if we're talking about the hunter jumper market, what we're seeing most clients choosing to go into is either the Helite that you got, which is the Zip-In 2 model, um, choosing it's the second generation, um, and then the Horse Pilot vest. Um, those are the two primaries. And then I also have some clients that are going into a hit air, primarily the advantage model. That's also the lower profile of the, of the hit air models. And that one, you know, for the most part, like if I have a client that lives in a really hot climate, because that's the most open design of a vest, like there's very little fabric to it. If mm -hmm. there's fabric there, it's over an air chamber. Um, so I do have a percentage of clients that are going into that. 
Um, for eventing riders, um, they're going into a lot of hit air, some point two. Helite also makes an eventing style vest. Um, you know, so it it really depends on the type of riding that you're doing. These things are designed for a purpose, so they have to fit what the purpose is. So what I've seen recently is that it's become really popular to have clothing that incorporates the, the air vest. Like what is, what's your opinion about that? So generally your air vest should always be your outermost layer. However, <laughs> with especially that Helite zip into and the horse pilot vest, because they were, they were designed to be able to be worn without a body protector and because they are so low profile, um, both of those companies have designed what I call air vest compatible clothing that can be worn on top of those two vests. And then there's another company called Dada Sport that also has a full line of, of both casual and competition clothing that you can wear on top. Um, I always tell a client that to wear something on top of your air vest, it really needs to be air vest compatible, mm -hmm. meaning that it has been to the manufacturer's yeah. lab, meaning the air vest manufacturer's lab and tested. Because the last thing that you want is to be wearing a coat over your air vest that impedes the inflation of your air vest. For sure. That makes the air vest useless. And you also don't want your really expensive show coat that hasn't been tested to get ripped to shreds when your air vest inflates. Um, so it's just good to make sure that it's air vest compatible. I have some clients that are like, oh, well, in the winter, I'd like to wear, you know, a puffy coat. And I'm like, you should be able to wear a micro puffer underneath any of those air vests. They're stretchy. Yeah. Um, but they're like, well, what if I get one that's like two or three sizes too big? And I'm like, well, you're going to look like you were in a pillow fight when, <laughs> when your ear goes off, you know? So it's just, it's just not worth it. Um, you know, I carry all of those products. And what I have found really interesting is that probably 65% of my clients are just choosing to wear the air vest on top of their show coat. You know, they might have a really nice show coat or, you know, they have a, a, a collection of show coats and they'll just wear it on top. And what I tell people is, look, if you weren't already in the market for a show coat, there's no need to buy one right. at this point. Um, unless you just have money to burn or you're trying to piss off your husband or something like that. There's no, <laughs> there's no reason unless like, unless you just really want one, but next time you get a new show coat, then get an AeroVest compatible one. And frankly, you know, over time, there are more and more companies. We have three new companies that have sent coats to Helite's lab for approval that have been approved. And now we're just waiting on sizing confirmation. So you have a ton more options than you did a month ago. Yeah. And in six months, you're going to have even more. Uh, so I have a quick question. Um, I know with helmets, um, you know, they have a kind of an expiration date, right? So, right. you know, their man manufacturer date says, you know, after X amount of years, you really shouldn't be using this anymore. Or after yeah. a fall, you shouldn't be using it anymore. Is that similar mm -hmm. with, with body protectors and air vests? Yeah. I mean, so with, with body protectors, you know, the foam breaks down over time. Sure. 
Um, so, you know, and I actually published a, a, a blog, you know, kind of listing out all the things that you should look for to know if your body protector is still doing the job that it should be doing. There's ways that you can, you know, you can test the foam yourself just to see kind of like a test that you do for a horse that's dehydrated, you know, yeah. you pull the skin to see how quickly it snaps back. Well, on a body protector, you pinch the foam and you see how quickly it snaps back. Um, you know, and you look for, you know, divots and things like that. Um, you know, generally I think you can get about five years out of a body protector that is well taken care of. But again, there are tests with an air vest. You want to definitely be having it inspected, you know, by the manufacturer or be doing an inspection yourself. Um, so most manufacturers will, well, all manufacturers will state, you know, every, however many inflations you should have it inspected or, you know, every year or whatever the case may be, there's one manufacturer that gives you a video of how to do the inspection yourself. And then if you have any concerns, you can send it to them, mm -hmm. um, to get looked over and serviced. And then most of the other companies, they're like, just send it in to us and, and we will do the inspection and the servicing. But especially for an airbag, because it's got a mechanical component right. um, and it's got air chambers that you want to make sure aren't perforated, um, it's well worth it to go through the inspection process. It's kind of like getting an oil change for your car. <laughs> well, I know too, like with a lot of helmet manufacturers, if you do have a fall, you can send that helmet to them they'll inspect it and then you can yep. buy a new helmet for a reduced price. So basically you're trading, like you're kind of giving them research and development by giving them the old helmet and then they're Correct. giving you a discount on the new one. So yeah, I wonder if something similar so, exists. So point two does have a program like that where you can upgrade your vest. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in part, it's because they've been around long enough that they have multiple generations. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's in part why they have their upgrade program. They always want you to be in the latest technology, which makes sense yeah. because it's a safety product. Um, you know, some of the other companies, they're a bit newer to the market and there haven't been that many generations. So, you know, they don't have a program like that just yet because there really isn't an upgrade option. But that's going to I think that's going to be changing because we're seeing new technology in the labs being tested, not necessarily released yet, but being tested. I hope so, too, because it does encourage people to actually, you know, send that item in when Correct. it is you know, in a fall or whatever. And then yeah. it takes a potentially dangerous item out of commission and then, you know, gives that person a small discount, but a discount nonetheless to, to incentivize. Exactly. Them. Yeah. 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 Well, and so for example, you know, I get a lot of people that are asking, you know, can I, can I sell this when I want to upgrade? You know, can I, can I sell it as used? Um, can I buy an air vest or body protector used? And what I tell people is that I'm perfectly fine with you buying and selling a body protector used. Um, an air vest, I'm not quite so comfortable yeah. with. And if you're buying a used air vest, the very first thing that I would do is send it to the manufacturer for inspection. Because the worst thing in the world is to have an air vest that you you think is going to deploy while you're falling and then something doesn't work. Either it's got a perforated air chamber, the trigger is rusted, something. And frankly, by the time that you buy it and send it to the manufacturer for that type of inspection, um, you're at the price of buying a new yeah. vest. So you might as well buy a new vest. Yeah. So 
you can buy a used body protector. Don't buy a used air vest. <laughs> Noted. Because everybody says it's never been fallen in, but then you have like a major concussion and you don't remember falling in it. So, <laughs> so Catherine, as we kind of wrap it up here, what would be your advice to our listeners who are interested in purchasing a vest? You know, first... I am willing to talk to anybody from anywhere and I spend a large chunk of time of my day just talking to people and educating them. And, you know, we'll do virtual fittings where we'll do the education process, get somebody's measurements, send them a product, let them try them on. If it doesn't work, they send it back and we'll do sizing confirmation by, you know, by Skype or, or FaceTime or Zoom. But, if there is a local retailer that has a product, I'm also perfectly happy to do the educational conversation and have you walk into your tax shop locally and try stuff on and buy it from them. Really what I care about first and foremost is that people are getting into the equipment. If you're buying it for me, that's gravy, right? Um, but the education piece is really important. And it's one of the reasons that I think my company has been successful is because this is all we do. You know, we're not a general tax shop that has to know something about like A to Z of what is carried in the tax shop. We only do this. And, you know, my mission is to spread knowledge and whether that is spreading knowledge to a tax shop owner or to a rider that is looking for their own protective gear, come to my website and do your research there. There's tons of information there. You can go to the YouTube channel. There's tons of information there. Call me. Let's have a conversation. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is I want you making an informed decision. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Isn't that what we have to do as horsewomen, though? Like, that's like, that's the definition of being a horse person is to constantly be learning and adapting and, mm -hmm. and trying to be better, right? Like, that is paramount. Yeah. All right. So, Catherine, how can people get a hold of you? Like, where, what's the best way for people to kind of see what you do? And if they want to yeah. talk to you, what's, what's your preferred method? Let us know how to get a hold of you. Yeah, so we have a website, www.rideequisafe.com. Um, we're very active on social media, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. As I mentioned, we have a YouTube channel, so you know you can find helpful videos on YouTube as well. Um, on the website, you'll find our email and our phone number on the top left corner, so super easy to find. And I'm just happy to talk to people. So I have people that reach out in every way, shape, and form. They contact me through Facebook or Instagram. They call me. That phone number that's up there on the website, you can text to as well. We have a chat bot on the website. So you have very few excuses not to reach out to me. Very <laughs> make easy it to very get Very easy, of. yeah. Very easy to get a hold of. You have no excuses. <laughs> Perfect. And I know we didn't talk about it a lot, but you also go, you also do safety stirrups and, and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Okay. So basically we do body protectors, air vests, safety stirrups, air vest compatible clothing, and all of the related okay. accessories. Perfect. So we've, we've literally got you covered, not from head to toe, because we don't do helmets, but neck to toe. Neck to toe. Got it. <laughs> neck to toe. <laughs> 
Well, thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that you had me on. Obviously, I love talking about this topic. You guys had some great questions and hoping that it will help some of your listeners. Yeah, we hope so too. This this season's all about learning. So uh, I think we're kicking it off in style. That's it for this week's episode of Horse Broke Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a beat. And don't just ride safe, ride Equisafe. Thumbs up. <laughs> Yeehaw.